0: Let's go.
1: You are listening to Dollars and Sensibility, the podcast that explores the numbers, concepts, and behaviors that shape your financial life. Hosts, business partners, and friends Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are financial advisors in Hollywood, California, that for a combined 35 years have helped thousands of individuals and businesses better their financial futures. Here, they want to open these discussions to you, the listener, share the many things they have learned, and of course, how to be sensible about your dollars.
0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Dollars and Sensibility Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Martz, here along with my good friend and co-host, the one and only Mr. Bill McBride. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal. How are you doing, Andrew? That's a great response. right? Um, yeah I'm doing great too. It's a it's another fantastic Friday. Uh, are you ready for the question of the day? I am ready. Hit me So you're out at a nice restaurant you've just ordered your entree and the pivotal question of soup or salad what do you go with? caveat I'm not gonna I'm not giving you choices of soup. It can be your favorite soup or your favorite salad so I just want you to answer do you go with a soup or do you go with a salad? Lobster bisque all day long.
2: New England sure. clam chowder. I'm kind of a connoisseur, so depending on the establishment and the pictures that are on the internet preceding the dining experience, I probably go with the clam chowder. But if I'm feeling particularly healthy that day and I don't have time for a nap afterwards, uh, I might, I might, I might imbibe in the salad. <laughs>
0: So I'm here. I'm hearing you're a soup first, yes. and you're going with a, a creamy soup. So a little bit yes. of a heavy. <laughs> <soup>. <laughs> it's gonna be a little. It's gonna be a little heavy. It's gonna put me down. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm a salad man myself, but I don't judge because Homer Simpson did famously say, "You don't make friends with salad." Um, anyway, on to today's <laughs> episode. Uh, I'm excited for today's topic. Uh, relevant. For I think any person listening, no matter where you are in your wealth journey, uh, because this is something that applies to the generation creation of income and how we are able to save, invest, and build wealth over time. And today's topic is about changing jobs, but really your career path as a whole. And I, I've thought about this throughout my life. I've, I've literally had dozens of, of different jobs, and transitioning jobs can be a major decision. And if it's one that particularly you're making to try to grow your career, you should carefully consider it. So first of all, like why? Why should we care so much about the job changing or your career choices? Well, for so many of us, work is such an important part of our lives. Andy Dillard famously said that how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Right. Meaning that the decisions we make of how we spend our time throughout each day successively becomes the blueprint for how we're leading our lives. So, you know, the average person will spend one third of their life at work. That's unbelievable. That's 90,000 hours? It's 90... 90- Thousand hours. Now it's on average, right? So, you know, we're assuming you are post your, your college your education experience heading into the workforce, let's say on average working for 40 years, right? 40 hour work weeks, let's call it two weeks vacation. That's, that's how we're arriving at that, that 90,000 hours, give or take. I think that it probably can skew a little higher for your average American worker, especially today as, as people are working more and more and longer hours. But a job for so many people isn't just what we do. Uh, And I'm not saying that this is right, but it can start to become a part of who we are, right? It becomes a a source of your identity, right? So, you know, you're meeting somebody at a cocktail party and a natural (laughs) question, hey, Bill, nice to meet you. What do you do? Yeah.
2: And, And, you know, the, the, the math of 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 90,000 hours when you're answering that question it you know it makes me think of the the 10,000 hour rule right so if you find that job that you love or that career that you love and you can spend 90,000 hours on that from day 1 right you become a master nine times over right the same math works if you want to be a master at nine different careers or professions, too. So, you know, when somebody asks you that question, you're you're right, Andrew. I mean, it, 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 is, it is the primary question that I think that people ask getting to know you because we spend so much of our day wrapped up in the identity of what we do to derive income.
0: That's a really interesting way to put that, too. I didn't even think about it. Uh, the 10,000 hour rule and yes you can become a master nine times over or master nine different things but i think it also just it speaks to the perspective of hey you probably have more time than you think so the the first thing i wanted to talk about today was this idea of changing jobs versus changing careers which i think are two different types of of transitions right sure And there could be different motivating factors there but you know some some people may kind of discount their ability to change. Because like, hey, I've been doing this for for 10 years. You know, I've been in this career for 10 years, and I've got experience, and my resume speaks to this. And if I want to go do something else, well, I, you know, I, I'm going to have to start all over. I'm going to have to be brand new. It's like, well, wait a second. You're going to spend 90,000 hours working in your life. You have more than enough time. To change careers and pivot. Now it's the only not the only consideration, but it just made me think about, hey, don't discount yourself because you get a lot more time than than you think.
2: Yeah, and and certainly as far along as you are in in the pursuit of your passion and having your passion become your job. Right. Or your career, you know, I I, I really applaud and I marvel at uh, the those people that are 65, 70 years old and they start a whole new career, right? And, and and they do so because they've excelled in the jobs that they've had or the careers before, but they they found something that is their their passion and they, you know, want to do it, presumably, uh, just for fulfillment and, and not because they need the the income. But, you know, somebody in their, in their early 20s as well, uh, there's just so much opportunity there to, to really make mistakes, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about today, right, is, is changing the jobs or changing careers and how not to make mistakes doing that. Um, but mistakes will be made. And, and that's okay, given
0: the, given the longevity of, of how much time we really do have to get it right. That's right. So let's go with some statistics, right? So the Bureau of Labor Statistics surveyed people born between 1957 and 1964. So we do have to consider the demographic that we're speaking about, mainly that boomer demographic. And what they did was they traced their work history from when they began through age 52. And here's what the results were. From ages 18 to 24, on average, that group of individuals changed jobs 5.7 times. Then as they got older, between ages 25 and 34, they changed jobs on average 2.4 times. Uh, Very similar as you moved on from age 35 to 44. So now we're kind of in like that peak earning stage. They on average changed jobs uh, about 2.9, almost three times. And then as they got older towards the tail end of their career, between ages 45 and 52, they were changing jobs on average 1.9 times. So you, you know,
2: I love these statistics, Andrew. And and are, what what are they saying? Meaning, the average uh, between age thirty five and forty four, for instance, is uh, two point nine jobs. Does that mean between the ages of thirty five and forty four, during those nine years, most people change jobs three times within those nine years? That's is that right. What they're saying? That's wow.
0: exactly right. Yep. That's staggering. So here's a couple of problems with the statistic, right, to point you back to episode, an earlier episode, lies, damn lies, and statistics. So first of all, what are they using to constitute a job change? Is that changing companies? Is that simply changing position or title? Or is that changing the actual function of what you do? And even uh, the BLS recognizes that there are issues in reporting statistics like this because it's very hard to define there's no universal definition of what constitutes a job change. I wanted to simply bring this up to just illustrate that as we look at data like this, we can see that on average, people tend to change jobs more often earlier in their career, and they change jobs less often as they mature and get closer to the end of their career. Now, again, that that may be at a higher frequency than than um, than others, some may completely buck that trend. Right, they may have the same job uh, for a very long time early in their career, and then change very often as they've gained more experience and they become more valuable, and they can change maybe one you know once every two or three years. So this isn't certainly a rule. I could say personally, it certainly coincides with my experience. I had more job changes more frequently earlier in my career. Now, I didn't start in the financial services industry. I started in the aquatics industry as a lifeguard. <laughs> so that was that was my foray into to the working world. And as I navigated through employment opportunities when I was younger and in school, eventually into finance, I've changed jobs less and less. And I would say that's probably the trajectory. For the rest of my career, but who knows? Sure, yeah, same here. I, I had I had ten jobs
2: before I graduated high school, and and then certainly uh, in the golf business for about five years. Therein lies the question, right? In the golf business, I was working at one golf shop for two years. But I had four different positions at that shop, right? So what's sure. counted there? I think the the more important thing to note about this statistic is, it's a survey of people born between f- 1957 and 64, right? We're right. going to find much different statistics, much more scattered job changes and career changes for those born between 1980 and 90, between, you know, 90 and 2000. And, you know, and certainly the current generation that's entering the workforce post-graduation right now is going to be
0: a much different statistic than than their parents. Right. That's Right. So when you're when you're looking at your career and changing jobs, I think one of the things you first need to do is just ask yourself what is the motivating factor. So I, I think about people who are in a job. Maybe they like what they do, but here's some questions you can ask to simply prompt yourself to kind of go through that discovery process. First, would your employer be considered a good company to work uh, to work at by most other people? Right. So outside looking in or even internally, would most people say, hey, this is a good company. I enjoy working here. It's not just the work that we do, but it's also the environment and the people that we work in and with. Another consideration is how about your superiors, your boss, right? So the people that you're reporting to who are managing you, are they invested in your career? So, Oftentimes, one of the, the big contributing factor to the stickiness of empl- uh, employment, right? So, companies will focus on, hey, let's make sure we're investing in our employees and train their management staff to be invested in those that they're leading because that will help retain good talent and good people. So, a good question to ask if you are the talent is, hey, are, is my company, is my boss invested in my future and my success or are they simply just looking out for themselves?
2: So, so the the one the one that I noted, Andrew, um, about your boss being invested in your future success or the company, right? Two different things. It was an eye opener for me when I uh, I had a, a business partner fifteen years ago, and he took he took great pride in our assistants becoming uh, advisors and becoming successful advisors that he trained. And you know, I I, I had long talks with him about the the frustration of. Like, hey, you know, you you bestow your knowledge and experience on on these kids for, you know, six months. And then six months later, they're not doing the great job that you trained them to do for you, right? They're going out on their own. And there there wasn't a succinct answer about, you know, why that's the right thing to do. Of course it's the right thing to do, but there is some kind of holistic experience that goes on. When you have a boss that's invested in having your success either match that or exceed their own, right? And, and, and I think it's, it's a rare find, right? So, and it depends on what industry, of course. Entertainment industry is going to be different than corporate America, right? If you get into a corporate America middle management situation where somebody is your boss that's been there for 10 years, they might not want to see you become their boss someday, right? And, and, and there's there's a whole social dynamic right. to it that you have to really consider. And that's tough to get through or to understand in a
0: you know, 20 minute or one hour interview process, right? You also have to consider that for some people, the consideration of changing jobs may be like a personal issue, right? Maybe, maybe there's something going on in your life or your family life that, hey, I, I've been in this career and I love it. And I love the work that we do and the company I work for, but quite frankly, it's just a demanding job, right? I I have to work 50, 60, or 70 hours a week. And now there is another circumstance, a child, a loved one, a parent, something that demands more time in your personal life that is gonna require you to say, hey, I I just simply can't perform the functions of this job. I I need to look for a different path because I'm I'm trying to balance some other other things that are just not professional in my life. And the odd thing about that, Andrew, I think, is there, there's
2: really three things that you have to consider. One of them is numerical. The other two are really just kind of nebulous. It's family, commute, and income, right? So you might say, hey, you know what? This job is 10 minutes from the house, and uh, but it's going to pay me $20,000 less per year, right? This job is an hour from the house. And it's going to pay me, you know, uh, but it's going to pay me $20,000 more per year, right? So that's, uh, graphing out that consideration in your head is really an important part of uh, the decision-making process. Are you saying that those three factors are the only three factors? That's not what you're saying. Generally, right? So uh, the family situation is kind of all encompassing. That could be family, commute, and money. There's other considerations.
0: What about what, what, yeah? What about like the 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 purpose of what you do? So some people work for companies or do do what they do for a living because of a a sense of fulfillment. This work brings brings a sense of fulfillment. Other people do it not for the money but for for recognition. I remember when I was in college, I was offered a, an internship at at MTV at the Times Square studio where all the Carson hubbub and was Bailey? happening. Mm-hmm. Carson Daly, celebrities, the the whole thing. And then I got the offer and the pay was zero. And I thought, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> like that for, for some people, that may like the the access, right? The recognition, the the cool factor, whatever it was, maybe the opportunity set, maybe I made a mistake in not taking that. I don't know. But for me, at that time in my life, I simply valued money more. So right. I took a job, uh, I remember that summer internship, I took a job with a marketing agency that was more boring and corporate, and, uh, but it paid really well yeah. and learned a lot and had a good time, uh, but did not take the, the MTV job because there was no pay.
2: I would have taken the MTV job <laughs> for sure. But you know th- then again I probably would have been eating ramen noodles right and not be where we are today right right
0: Yeah So he, let's let's just talk about real quick you know, if you are in this position now, you are changing careers, you have an opportunity in front of you. So maybe you're, you're at one job and you really like it, but you've now been recruited or have a, a new job offer in front of you. Perhaps you're considering entrepreneurship, starting your own business. So here, here are just three tips and considerations. This isn't an all-inclusive list, but certainly an umbrella of things to think about as you are considering a, a move. First and foremost know your priorities. Okay. Know what, as we've been talking today, is your motivation for changing jobs. As, as Bill alluded, he named his top three, right? Your top three are clearly commute, family, and money.
2: Maybe not in that order. Right. But, but I think a lot of other things fall under that. Right. So you might, you might use the terminology work-life balance. I actually put, I put that under the heading of commute, right? And it can also fall under the heading of family too, right? The more time you get to spend with your family, uh, you know, how much, how much of that do you need and what's important to
0: you in, in in that regard? Sure. I I would just argue, and I'm just arguing semantics. My commute today is 37 steps from my bedroom, but I'm working more hours than I did when I was commuting, you know, 40, you know, or 60 minutes round trip. Right. My work life right. balance, perhaps, from if I'm just looking at a, a scorecard metric, is probably worse because I spend more time working, left to- less time on personal stuff, but my commute is much less. Right. And, and, so and has then, nothing to do with commute for me. It's just, it's simply, so work life balance is now how, how are you managing your time? But right. it's a, it, I think it, it's a good conversation of hey, do you value this and what will this look like? In your new potential opportunities so if you are traveling to a campus or or a company is this is commute a factor right because you if you're traveling my father used to commute an hour each way every single day for 25 years so you're talking about two hours a day in the car back and forth and that's when there was no traffic so, uh, you know, do the do the math on how many hours he spent just listening to talk radio back and forth.
2: <laughs> I man, you know, you know I did it for well, I'm still doing it to some extent, but depending on LA traffic, but it was an hour and 10 minutes to uh to, to get to Sunset Boulevard um for uh, going on 13 14 years now, right? And but, you know, I learned to like that. And that's what I was going to say, you know, 37 steps from, uh, from, from the bedroom to the, to the boardroom. That's something to really consider in terms of the commute. Nothing's permanent. And, and, I, and I think that's something to take with you when you're, when you're changing jobs, right? Because it can, it can alleviate a lot of the stress, meaning that you might love the 37 second commute, Right. But do that for 10, 15 years, right? and you just maybe want to get out of the house. you want to get out of you want to get into an office you know like I, I know through the through the pandemic you know working from home and working in the office um, you know I immediately started to see a longing for for getting out and separating work from personal life. You know I think that's a I think that's a big part of the fulfillment that can come in the job as well. hundred
0: percent. So, staying in the lane of, of knowing your priorities is it financial? Is it is it work life balance? Maybe it's an opportunity for growth or promotion. So, weighing the factors that will allow you to grow, and again, is this you know if you are in the corporate world, title matters a lot, right? The big companies, Fortune fifty, Fortune five hundred companies have internal scales. Are you an AVP one or an AVP two? You know, are you a, a director, a managing director? Or an executive director, the directorship title matters, uh, and it'll matter as you're making moves to other like companies. So know what that that opportunity for growth and advancement. May, maybe your motivation is cultural.
2: Yeah, yeah, cultural, or um, maybe it, maybe it's just a resume builder. Right, and we hear that term uh, a lot, and I, I certainly didn't hear that until i I got into my 30s. but it you know it resonates with me now and and i can I can kind of understand with the ninety thousand hours that we have where where somebody might do something like that, where that can be beneficial, where you can say, "Hey, you know what? this is a job change. it's not a it's not a it's not gonna affect my life that much if I give it a try, right?
0: Nothing's permanent. That's right. Uh, another thing might be, you know, are you just bored? Maybe you're just looking for a new challenge. Uh, no matter what the job function you are doing, perhaps it requires you to conduct the same activities year in, year out, you know, week in, week out. And simply, are you looking for a new challenge, which can be quite invigorating to towards your, you know, your enthusiasm and your excitement, not just for for your job, but for life in general. So I'd say,
2: Andrew, that's, it's, it's not a regret of mine, but I, I always, um, I always wonder what it would be like, you know, our, our jobs are so dynamic and I've never been bored in the job, but you know, we're, we're talking about changing locations, cities, states, even countries, uh, of, of work. And, you know, some of the people that I've encountered that have worked overseas for six months or a couple of years or, or. Their entire lives. Uh, I'm very jealous of their um, of that experience, right? So, I and, and I think that could be something to consider, right? Are you getting into a job that will allow you the opportunity for travel, if that's what you enjoy, right? What's yeah. what's, what's the perks of the job, right? And and can you fulfill instead of. Working overseas for five years in, in, in a firm that's not going to be a resume builder, and then you ultimately want to reside back in the United States, or or vice versa. Can you find a position that will allow you to to do
0: both? Right. That's right. And here here's the reality is that it's never just going to be one of these, right? It is, you are more than likely gonna have multiple motivating factors. Uh, like many decisions in life, it is a multi-variable equation. So the best advice I can say is simply write it down, put pen to paper, make a list, understand, You know, once you see that visually what your top priorities are and then you can more subjectively evaluate what is the right decision for you and what the right decision for you is not, you know, may not be what your parents think, may not be what your spouse thinks or your neighbor thinks. Or, but when you, when you are able to clearly understand all of the, the information that is going to lead to the next steps in this decision, you're, you're better equipped to make a decision that's going to feel right absolutely so number number 2 for the uh, tips and considerations is
2: know your market right you have to do research on the industry know what people in your industry are getting paid Uh, what kind of experience they have that got them that pay. Uh, There's a great website. I actually did a research paper on this in college, um, payscales.com, payscale.com, I think it was. Uh, And that was an eye-opener, really, because you get into these different industries, and I was looking at different career paths, and you have a median and a mean, right? And it's important to differentiate between those two. What's the, what's the middle pay for a job and what's the average pay? Those are two vastly different things. And then really what are you, if you're an entry level applicant into that and you're looking at the high end, right? How many people are on that high end, right? If it's a, if it's a vast industry or a vast job, uh, meaning that there's, tens of thousands of people that do it, then there's a bell curve there, right? Where, where you can get to those top pay scales. But if it's something more um, more, more finite and uh, a, a smaller pool of applicants, uh, you might not find yourself
0: even beyond the, the median or the mean. That's right. So uh, as you're doing this research, finally, um, kind of our third tip here, just consider all of the factors. So let's look at financial, for example. This could be more than just your salary. And I think this is where a lot of people fail to really consider, you know, as financial planners, you and I have walked people through job changes, job considerations, right, different offers that they're getting as they're getting recruited or headhunted. You have to consider the total cost of move. Do you currently have benefits? Will you lose any benefits? Are there unvested stock options that were part of your previous conversation? uh, compensation that you will now no longer be eligible for? Do you lose out on on some dollars? Is there a 401k plan? Do do you have opportunity to purchase stock through an employee stock purchase plan? So what what will you gain and what will you lose by transitioning this job? And and consider all of those those factors together to, to make a more complete decision, not simply what your salary is going to be.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. And, and Andrew, I just, I just came across this last week. Be careful of the shiny objects, right? Especially the 401k, because we see an employer trying, trying to hook an applicant in with, hey, we've got a 401k, we match 100% of your contributions up to 5% you do a little bit of digging in there. Maybe, you know, maybe talk to a financial advisor or or a trusted friend or somebody that kind of knows the ins and outs. Um, But I encountered this just last week where it was, oh, we match hundred percent, but there's a six year vesting schedule, right? So you got to be with this company for six years before you get that hundred percent matching. Maybe not something that they tell you when you're sitting down there at that first job interview. So, you know, Beware! Yep. Uh,
0: beware of the different benefits and what their what their intricacies are. That's right. Read read all the documentation. And a great point, which is when you are unsure what things mean. You may say, what is a vesting schedule? Simply the period of time you have to wait to be eligible to actually receive or keep that money. That's where you want to you know, bring in a, a trusted advisor, bring in your CPA, a financial planner, somebody who can help you understand and decipher what, what some of these things are. We hope that this has been helpful for all of you listening who might be considering a job change. But w- as we, we looked at earlier today, it is likely at some point, anyone listening to this, will probably have a job change sometime in their their future if you are not already retired, in which case, congratulations, you've made it. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) This has been another episode of the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Please leave us a a review. We love to hear from you guys. Email us questions, uh, subscribe, like, and share with your friends. We are here every single Friday afternoon. We look forward to hearing from you again. Uh, I'm Andrew. Bill McBride. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Sensibility podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can join us for each and every episode. Follow us on social media at WIS Advisors and be sure to check out our website at wisadvisors.com. Tune in for the next step on the bridge between dollars and the mind of the sensible investor. Thanks for listening. Bill McBride and Andrew Martz are investment advisor representatives and registered representatives with Western International Securities Incorporated. All the opinions expressed by Andrew, Bill and all podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Western International Securities. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Western International Securities may maintain positions discussed in this podcast.